ye people and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on, somebody, if you know you serve the same God that can heal, the same God that can deliver, the same God that can make a way when there was no way, you ought to lift up your voice in faith because he's doing it all again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My God, those miracles were not just for the people back in the Bible. I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. I want to see the dead raised. I want to see blind eyes opened. And I know he can do it because he's doing it now. The Bible says he's the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's clap our hands one more time in this house. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. God, you're worthy. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all can make your way back to your seats tonight. God is so good. Don't we serve such a great God? Amen. 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 God is so good. God is so, so good. You know, you think about all the things that God has done for you and, you know, it just makes you extremely grateful, you know, because he didn't have to do all the things that he's done for us. Amen. I mean, the fact that he saved us, the fact that he washed our way our sins, the fact that he healed us, the fact that we have the activity of our limbs, we have a sound mind, that's, that's enough reason right there to thank God for. Amen. Amen. I have the privilege and the honor to deliver the word of the Lord tonight. I definitely don't take this lightly, and uh, it is for sure an honor and a privilege to be standing behind this desk in front of you guys tonight. I love each and every one of you, and um, Bishop, thank you for trusting me. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your guidance. Don't we have such a great man of God and woman of God? First Lady, I love you. My spiritual mama, I love you. Thank you, Jesus. And um, man, I just feel thankful tonight, y'all. I'm thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for the youth of the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Y'all are incredible. Amen. Amen. And if I can just take a few moments, and I could just say, my wife said it already, but if you have not made it up in your mind to come to Rockfest, I'm telling you, as your friend, not as a youth pastor, you know, as your friend, I'm telling you, you need to be there. It is the best one so far. I can tell right off the rip that it's the best one so far. And um, God's just so good, y'all. Um, we had such an incredible word Sunday morning and Sunday night. God used both the men of God in such a powerful way. And, you know, as I was praying right over there, I felt like God dropped something that was, he gave me a phrase a couple years ago. And, um, you know, I, as I was praying, I feel like God just started to put all the pieces together. And um, it was so powerful. And I remember God just whispering, he says, and this is what's so cool, y'all. He says, if you're preaching Tuesday night, this is what I want you to preach. And sure enough, Bishop texts me and asked me to deliver the word of the Lord. So I believe it's no coincidence that I'm up here tonight. And I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that we serve a man of God who's in tune with God. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. So before we open up our Bibles and before you stand, I just want to say I feel so strong in the Holy Ghost that I feel like tonight is going to be almost, I don't know if it's a continuation of Sunday night, but I just feel like it's going to, ride along the coattail of what 
was brought forth to us Sunday night. So if you can all stand, we're going to turn in our Bibles to two portions of Scripture. The first portion of Scripture is Romans chapter 9. The second portion of Scripture is 2 Timothy chapter 2. Amen. Thankful for my wife. I love you. Thank you for your encouragement. All right. Romans chapter 9, verses 20 through 23. If you have it, say amen. All right. Nay, but O man, who art thou that thou repliest against God? Shall the thing, shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the pot, potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Verse 23, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. If we can go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 20, it says, but in a great house, somebody shout a great house. There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. With every head bow and eye closed, if we can just go before the King of kings and the Lord of lords tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, we love you, we honor you, we thank you for showing up already like you have, Jesus. And God, we're asking that you anoint us, God. Give us ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. And God, anoint my lips of clay, Jesus. Let it not be my words that come out of my mouth, but let it be your words, Jesus. And God, prepare our hearts, Lord. Let our hearts be fertile, that this word may fall on good ground, Jesus. Lord, let it germinate, let it become and produce fruit of your spirit, God. Lord, go forth before me, God. Give me a sensitivity to your spirit. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. For just a few moments tonight, I would like to preach emptying your vessel. Look at your neighbor, say emptying your vessel. Look at your other neighbor, say, emptying your vessel. Pottery is one of the oldest and most widespread and decorative arts in the world. Pottery is the process and the product of forming vessels. The potter would find some clay or other ceramic materials and mix the material with water and begin to press and form the clay into shape. Do I have any people who ever... Has ever taken ceramics before in high school? Yes, it was fire class. You should have done it. Um, and what happens was is the potter begins to press and mold all the material together, and then he eventually shapes it. So there's multiple ways you can shape pottery. One of the ways they taught me in ceramic, ceramics is it's like, I don't even know, you basically lay, it's like coiling. You lay one coil on top of each other. I have a mug. I don't know if I still have it, but that's one way to do it. And then after you mold your vessel, you throw it into the fire. And the fire cooks it and hardens it to make sure that it maintains its structural integrity. 
And there are many, many different forms of pottery. Porcelain, which originated in China, in which the potter would get a specific stone. Excuse me if I butcher this. It's called a, fel, a felspathic rock, ground to powder and mixed with kaolin. I hope I pronounced that right. It's white China clay. And he would make the art. And then the next is earthenware, which is another form of pottery in which the most is the most common. And what you think of, clay pots, roof tiles, bricks, surface, surface embellish, embellishments, and building construction. The process of earthenware is the same as all pottery, except it's burned at a significantly lower temperature, which is the result of the clay becomes porous and it absorbs liquid. Somebody shout China. Bone China is what is what it's formally called, is the strongest of porcelains, which is created by, you guessed it, bones. So your favorite china that you are storing in your cabinet, that is indeed made out of bones. And um, I did some research. It's probably some cows or who knows, depending on how old it is, who knows. <laughs> Such incredible pieces of art. And what great uses we have in them, amen? Beautiful statues can be created incredible architect that you see your precious food one of the most important things is can be served on it and you can transport and store water and other materials and if you do your research and look up the origin of pottery brother google would tell you that the earliest dates of pottery was found in china but my bible tells me just a little bit differently genesis 2 and 7 says and the lord god formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Let me tell you something. Creativity comes from the creator. If you're looking for ideas, you got to go to the one who's the source of all creativity. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Now, I want you to understand this concept. We are all vessels. Look at your neighbor say, you're a vessel. Look at your other neighbor say, you are a vessel. Now, with this concept in mind... I believe when God created us, we were full. Um, you have to understand a little context is Adam woke up and knew everything. What an incredible thing. He was the smartest man ever. I don't know about Solomon. I don't know how they would match up together, but he was the smartest man. He was able to name every single animal. I believe probably after the 20th or so animal, I'd be calling it the whatchamacallit and the whosamacallit. And this and that and that thing and that weird looking thing. But he was so smart that he was able to name every single animal. And the Bible says that he, the first man, Adam, and the last man, Adam, they were pretty much the same. So this could just be my theology, so just take it with a grain of salt. But I believe everything Jesus could have done, Adam could have done as well. So if Adam, if Jesus walked on water, I believe Adam could have very well walked on water. I mean, how is he going to name all those fishes? And all these incredible things that you see, withering trees and incredible things, I believe Adam could have done that. Now, like I said, I believe that before the fall of man, that Adam was full. His vessel was full. His job was to take care of the garden and to... To make sure that it looked beautiful and it was well kept. You know, a garden takes intentionality. You can't just throw something together and expect there to be beauty. But God charged him that he needed to take care of the garden. And 
So he was a full vessel, but when Adam and Eve sinned, I believe they became empty. But God did that on purpose. God emptied them on purpose. Because the whole point was that they were supposed supposed to feel something that's missing in our lives. Because God is supposed to fill us. Amen? Amen. That's why material possessions will never fill that void you feel. They might please you for just a season. But you'll end up wanting more to try and to fill a void that can't be filled. That's why I try and tell my young people... Don't worry about a relationship right away. You should never worry about a relationship right away. The first thing you should work on is your relationship with God. Because you know what? No man or no woman will fill that void in your life. That emptiness that you might be feeling, young person, is a void that God needs to fill. Amen? Amen. This is not in my notes, but I just want to say this. You know, don't try and force the hand of God either. Because... There's a story in the Bible where the children of Israel wanted a king. And God said, you know, I think that I should be your king. I should rule over you. And they were like, no, 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 no. No, God. You see, we know better. We know how we feel and we do these things. So we want a king. And he gave them a king. And the Bible says that his name was Saul. And Saul literally means asked for. And see, you have to be careful because if you try to force God's, God's hand, God's going to give you what you've been asking for. But it's not, it's not a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart. It's going to be something that just looks the part. Something that looks like it's a good fit. But it will never end up being what God called you to be. And you got to be careful. I'm, I, let me, like Trevor said, I'm just preaching to the youth tonight. <laughs> you got to be careful. Because you know what, it's sometimes it's better, and this is not in my notes, it's better to wait. Because the Bible says you got to seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. And then all these things will shall be added unto you. All these things. You don't have to worry about what you're going to do, what you're gonna, where you're going to live, what your job is going to be. Just seek first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness. I'm telling you, there's power when we seek the kingdom of God and seek his face first. Amen. Amen. Somebody shout amen. That void was never meant to be filled by money, cars, drugs, you name it. God was made to fill you. That's why a vessel, you see it's not completely closed off. A vessel is made with an opening at the top. It's to be filled. And the potter design is designing the vessel for a specific purpose. Adam and Eve were perfect. They didn't need anything. They had everything they needed. But when sin entered their lives and God wasn't the one filling them, they began to fill themselves and corruption began. And see, you have to be careful because when you start to forget about the things of God and forget about trying to have God fill those voids, you'll, you'll be caught up by your selfish and fleshly desires. I'm, I'm, am I the only one who can be real in the house, you know, sometimes it seems like that you just want to keep indulging and indulging on the things that you want to do. But you know what? The Bible says the flesh is the enemy against God. And I don't want to be an enemy against God. Amen? Amen. And the thing is, is when you begin to corrupt yourself with sin, your eyes get off God and you try to try your own ways to fill yourself. That's why a career should never define you. That's, come on. 
Your career should never define you. You should have the potter define you. And you know, that's why people fill themselves up with fleshly desires and they go to, and here's the thing, if you haven't known, we're meant to worship. We're meant to worship. And if you don't worship God, you'll end up worshiping something. That's why you see people at, at sports games when Tom Brady throws a touchdown pass that they take their shirts off and they, they throw their hands in the air and they, they lose their voice because their people are meant to worship something. And you got to be careful because, you know what, it might seem pleasing to you, but what has a football thrown in the air and your team, what have they done for you? They've never healed you. They've never set you free. They've never freed you from sin. They've never freed you from the clutches of your own mind. I'm telling you, that's why I want to serve the one true and living God. Because you know what? If he did it before, he can do it again. The fact that we're standing here tonight and the fact that we got breath in our body is an indication that we serve the one true living God and that he loves us and that he cares for us and that we should give him everything that's within us. Amen. 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 God is such a good God. That's why it doesn't make sense for us to get caught up in our own desires. Because you know what? His ways are higher than my ways. I can see one way, but you know what? The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. And the end thereof are the ways of death. I don't want to do things on my own. I don't want to do things by myself. I don't want to do things out of the arm of the flesh. I want to do everything when I'm in line with Jesus and the man of God. And can I just stop right here? That's why you should obey your man of God. That's why you should obey your man of God. I'm a living testimony. I, I have obeyed Bishop and, I've, and I'm a living testimony that Bishop has never steered me wrong. And that's just to prove that he is a true man of God. You should trust your man of God. Because you know what? I don't want to trust my own self. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and exceedingly wicked. Who can know it? Don't just try and follow after your own heart or your own things because you're going to end up being in a pit. Look at the rich young ruler. This is off my notes tonight. Look at the rich young ruler who thought that he had everything under control. Who thought that I know better than to be at father's house. There is something better than father's house out there. And he tells, he comes up to his father and he says, I want everything that belongs to me. And I want to take it and I want to do what I think is good with it. And he does. The father lets him. And shortly thereafter, you see the prodigal son in a pig's pen wanting to eat pig slop. Let me tell you, there's blessings in the house of God. There's blessings when you obey your man of God. I'm telling you, there's such a blessing when you align your life with the word of God and the man of God. Amen. 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 All right. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to be long tonight, y'all, so don't worry. <laughs> we find, oh, and when you're controlled by your fleshly desires, it takes you farther and farther away from God. The less you pray, the harder it is for you to start praying. The less you read, the harder it is for you to start reading. Come on, do I have any people that are honest in the house? Come on, that's why you have to make it a priority. This is the living word. This is the bread of life. This is the bread of life. 
One of these days I'm going to preach a message at youth service. you got to be there because I'm not going to do it here. But how many times do we're, and I'm sorry, this is off my notes tonight. Is this all right? How many times do we eat per day? <laughs> how many times do we, even, even when we're, we're bored or we're sad or we're an emotional eater, we just say, you know what will make me feel better? Some McDonald's or some Culver's or some Longhorn Steakhouse. My God, that will make me feel better. You know, let me tell you what will feel better, getting in this word. Because the Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. This is where I find hope. This is where I find comfort. This is where I find peace that passes all understanding. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. My God, God's so good. I don't know where we're going tonight, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. And you know what? Let me just say this. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just feeling comfortable tonight. <laughs> this is the best book you can ever read. Let me just talk to the ladies for a second. Ladies. Uh, you, you, <laughs> I find no better drama than the, the drama in the Bible. Come on. Come on. I find no better love story than the love stories in the Bible. Where the Song of, Song of Solomon tells me that, oh, my God, we can go on it. My God. I'm telling you, you have, you can't make this stuff up. This was real life. This wasn't just, this wasn't just make believe. This is real stuff. My God. See, see, now y'all make me feel comfortable. All right. I can tell you a story about David when he's, when he's, when he's fighting, and he says, oh, I wish, I wish I had the waters of my home place. I forgot what it was called. I'm sorry, y'all. And I'm telling you, David was the ultimate hype man. Because you know what? His, his colleagues were like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for my man of God. So they go, and they fight their way. And they say, David, here's this water. We've been fighting. I can see them sweating. Blood covered them. These Six foot six burly men saying, men of God, we've got you a water. David looks at it and he pours it on the ground. And I can imagine people freaking out like, oh my gosh, this guy's a beast. Anyways, I'm sorry, y'all. Let me get back to the preaching. <laughs> ah, God's so good. Amen. Amen. So, generations later, after the fall of man, we find... In Genesis 25, that after Adam, that Rebecca, a young woman, a young mama, is pregnant with twins. And there's a struggle in her womb. And she inquires of the Lord, and God tells her that two nations are in her womb. And eventually she gives birth to the twins. And I can just see it in my mind's eye. I see a young lady who is barren, thinking that I will be full if I have these babies. I will feel complete if I have these children. I, this would be the only thing that I need, God, is I need this. And she gives birth, and the principle wasn't established, but it was still there that the power of life and death are in the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And she looks without considering how these babies will act without considering 
what their future will be, what, what they'll live by and how they'll live. She names them by what she sees. And the first one she names Esau just because he was a hairy baby and he was red. And then we come to the main point of my text tonight is we have Jacob, a man that had done no wrong. He was just born, but he was already given a label as being a supplanter. That's powerful because you know what? Many of us have grown up with labels. And it's all right. We don't want to talk about it. It's all right. Many of us have grown up within the limitations of our own labels that we established on ourselves. And that's why we need to walk by faith and not by sight. I can't, I can't act. I can't l walk around and be the label by just what I see. Because if I'm doing that, I'll fail. But that's why I have to get the mind of God. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I need the mind of Christ in my life. Amen. Parents. Be careful what you say to your kids. Can I just be real? Be careful what you say. And I'm not saying that you have to coddle them or whatever you call it. I'm not a parent, so I haven't done it yet. But yet, that's right, key word. Yeah, everybody's waiting for that moment. But anyways... You got to be careful what you say because you have to understand the amount of influence you have in your children's life. These children trust you with their deepest, darkest secrets. You birthed them. You gave birth to them. You, you support them. They live with you. They look up to you. And they watch your every move. That's why things are caught and not taught. That's why you have to make sure you're being a Christian not only in church but at home. Can I get an amen to the parents? Amen. You got to be a Christian at home. You can't just show up for church and then try and live one way and go home and blast some kind of music and expect your children not to get affected by it. I don't even know why we're talking about this tonight. And don't think that the youth leaders and the, the pastors can fix it all. Because you see where I work, I work with kids. And the kids I work with are difficult, needless to say. And the thing is, though, the problem is that their caretakers expect for us at the school to correct all the problems that they have. Because I primarily deal with behaviors. And you see, they only spend about six hours at school. Plus you got PE and you got lunch and you got all these things. But they spend the majority of time at home. That's why you need to make sure at your house you're living right. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's why, Lord Jesus, help me. That's why, men, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, I'm sorry, y'all, I don't know why I'm talking about this. When Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says that God said, Adam, where art thou? He did not say, Adam and Eve, where are you? He said, Adam, where art thou? Because you know what? You're the head. So that means you're responsible. Men, you better teach your babies to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Come on. Come on. God's going to be asking us as men, what are you doing to lead your household to truth? What are you doing? Whoo, Jesus, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. 
Parents, be careful. Encourage your kids. Tell them that they can do. They can see miracles, signs, and wonders. They can be everything that God has called them to be. And you just watch as a fire burns inside them. Because all kids need is someone to say, I know you can do it. All kids need is some encouragement. You just need to encourage them to be everything God's called them to be. Amen. 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 So these boys grow up and they live by the label that was given to them. I can see a little Jacob sitting with his brother around the fire. And his mom is telling the story of their birth. And little Jacob, confused on why he was labeled the way he was. Mom, why? Why am I called a heel grabber? Why? Why am I called a supplanter? A supplanter means a deceiver. Why am I a deceiver? Why have you named me this? Why? Why am I confined by the labels of this name? Because you have to understand, in biblical times, names are very powerful. Names meant something. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Names mean something. And I can see Rebecca just chuckling to herself and say, well, you know, it's like as if you're fighting your way to be the firstborn. And I see Jacob, an empty Jacob, starting to try and put pieces together and feeling like the birthright belonged to him. I can see a young man who was looking for encouragement, who was, who was empty, saying, you know what, if I can just find, I can find pleasure in this. This can fill me. This birthright is the thing that will make me something. And you know the story. Eventually, the boys get older and, and things start to happen. And Jacob begins to live according to the label that he was given. And we find it that Esau was hunting one day and he came famished. And here we go. You see Jacob. I believe he was smart. He was putting two and two together. And he had a bowl of pottage and his brother comes to him and he says, please, I'm about to die. Please give me this. Give me this pottage for I'm about to die. And he says, well, it'll cost you your birthright. And see, you can see the, you can see the motivation behind it. He wanted that birthright. He, he felt like he needed that birthright. He felt like that birthright belonged to him. And Esau ends up trading his birthright to to Jacob, and this begins, and he begins to accept the fact that he's a supplanter and a deceiver. And later on, we find Isaac, their father, saying, I don't know how much time I have left. And he says, he tells his son Esau, I want you to go and prepare me some food, and that's when you bring it to me, I'm going to bless you. And Rebecca overhears it and tells her son Jacob, and Jacob deceives his own father by putting on goat's hair and putting on Esau's clothes and, and deceives his own father to be blessed. And Jacob becomes successful in his attempt to get blessed. But shortly after, his older brother comes in to receive what rightfully belonged to him. And Esau comes to his father and he says, all right, I'm here. And Isaac, the Bible says he trembled and he said, who are you? And he says, don't you have anything for me? Let's, let's read it. It's Genesis 27, 32 and 36. The Bible says it like this. 
And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that take venison and brought it to me? And I have eaten all before thou, thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry. And said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And, he, and Isaac, said, Isaac said, Thy brother came subtly and hath taken away thy blessing. And this is so powerful. And this is what, this is what he says. And he says, And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, he hath taken away my blessing. And he hath said, hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? Some of us, we, we, we live according to these labels of what the enemy tries to place on us. Or maybe you had a circumstance in your life growing up to where you're living by the label. But let me just tell you, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. You might be thinking, well, it's just who I am. This is who I was meant to be. I'm nothing more than a deceiver. I'm nothing more than a supplanter. I'm just living up to the label that that was given to me. And, you know, that's what happens when people get hurt. When people get hurt, they say, it's because I'm hurt. This is why I do this. Jacob, for fear of his life, runs away to his uncle's house. And gets away from his brother. So Jacob continues to live in a cycle of deception. And eventually it catches up with him. Because we find that he falls in love with a young lady. And he wants to marry her. So he goes to his uncle and he says, look, I'm in love with your daughter. He says, I'm willing to work seven years. And I want to marry her. And he says, okay, Laban's like, fine, let's do it. What better way? And the Bible says that Jacob worked seven years, and it says it was like nothing to him. And he was so caught up that on the day of the wedding, he woke up and realized after the wedding ceremony and the marriage ceremony have, has occurred that he's deceived and it's not the woman that he loved, but it's Leah. And you see, he, then he lives, he lives in that cycle of dysfunction. And let me tell you, when you start in that cycle of dysfunction, it's hard to get out of it. It's hard to get out of the cycle of dysfunction. It's hard to get out of the cycle of when you flood your mind with pornography. It's hard to get out of the cycle of going back to the needle, going back and back and back. Because you want that same fix. You want that same thing that you think will satisfy you. But let me tell you, none of those things will satisfy you. None, no needle will satisfy you. No high will satisfy you. No relationship will satisfy you. But it's only Jesus that's going to satisfy your soul. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just worship the Lord? After 20 years of living in fear, he eventually marries the woman he loves. He had to work another seven years for her. My God, talk about determination. 
And the Bible says that he, he ends up leaving. And this is the crazy thing because your dysfunction and your label, if you live by it long enough, it'll start to affect the people around you. And let me tell you this, his wife, I believe it was Rachel, the one he loved. Now, if it's wrong, forgive me, charge my head, not my heart. <clears throat> you see, he ran away from his father-in-law. And his dysfunction and his deception, I believe it, it might not have been manifested. But still, when the two become one, when the two become one, something, something happens, you know. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That's what Adam said. Y'all become one unit. And what happens is Laban comes after Jacob. And he says, why have you deceived me? You took cattle from me and you did all these things. And he says, and not only that, you took the gods of my house. And he says, now I understand about taking your daughters and taking some cattle, but the gods of your house slay the person who took these things, not only to find out, but Rachel was the one who stole the household gods. And so what does she do? She deceives her father, and she deceives even her husband because she doesn't tell them that she has the household gods. So don't think that your dysfunction just affects you. Don't think that it will just affect you. It affects those that are around you. Come on, we're a product of our environment. That's why I got to make sure I'm hanging out with the right people. I can't just have everybody be my friend. I love every single person. But the people that are close to me, I got to make sure their heart is right and that they're living for God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And music, you could come. I'm almost done. So Jacob with fear of his life, sets up, he leaves and he finds out that he's going to head back home. And he's, he finds out that Esau, Esau hears about this and he makes his way over to Jacob. And Jacob, with fear of his life, he sets up his cattle in two, two different herds and his herdsmen. And while he's in the back. And scripture tells us in Genesis 32, 32, 21 through 24, it says, So when the present over, so went the present over before him, he, Jacob sent presents to Esau. And himself lodged that night in the company. Somebody say that night. And he rose up that night. Somebody say that night. Took his two wives and his two women servants. And his 11 sons and passed over the forge of Bach. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. You have to understand that God wants to bring you, like Brother Stewart said, and Trevor, God dwells in the darkness, God dwells in the dark places. And you see, God will take you all the way to the point where you're alone. God will take you all the way to the point where you're alone and you're at the four jabak. Because the four jabak means emptying out. Because you know what? God sees you as a vessel. But he says, you know what? On the journey, you got filled with 
all the wrong things. <sighs> Jacob, you're living your life like a deceiver. And you're filling yourself up with all these ideas and ideologies that you're a deceiver. So I have to, and that's the beautiful thing about God, because God has to intervene. And God has to stop him in the dark place. Don't think your dark place is there to destroy you. Your dark place is there on purpose. Those dark moments are there on purpose, Brother Stewart. Like you said, those dark moments where you feel like you're alone, it's on purpose. Because you know what? You got promises in your life, people. Somebody point, say, I have a promise in my life. <sighs> Jesus. Jesus. And see, you can only go so far before God has to confront you. Because don't forget when, when Jacob ran away, God did visit him and he said, I'm going to make you like the sand of the sea. I'm going to make your offspring like the sand of the sea. And he gave him all these promises. And let me just tell you, there's promises on each and every one of you in this house tonight. There's a promise that you can only imagine. Jacob, there's a promise. There's a blessing that you won't be able to even think about. <sighs> Jacob, I have great promises waiting for you. I have dreams you wouldn't have even imagined. Son and daughter, I have plans for you that you couldn't even imagine. We can all stand in this house. But that deception in your heart, it can't be there. That thing that, that thing that's been holding you back, I have such great potential in you. Son, daughter, you have such great potential. But you see, you're filled with the wrong things. So that's why we got to come to the moments where it says, where you got to wrestle. Where you got to wrestle and say, God, I'm emptying myself of these things. God, the promises you have are greater. And I might not be able to see it, but I trust you. And God wants you to come out in Israel. God wants you to come out to have favor with God and with men. But you can't leave the night. And you can't come into the day as a Jacob. You got to come out in Israel. And you got to be poured out before the Lord. And God's got to empty you of everything that's not like him. Be oh, Jesus, help me. God wants to fill you with his glory. But here's the, th here's the catch. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. You can't take the promises of God and be filled with the corruption and the label that you used to live by. You can't. It's impossible the Bible says God will not share his glory with one another. Let me tell you, on your heart, there's a seat. There's one seat. And I'm asking you tonight, who's going to sit on it? Is it going to be God or is it going to be your own desires? And see, God's a gentleman. God will never force you. But let me tell you, there's promises for your vessel. There's glory for your vessel. There's anointing for your vessel. There's all these things for your vessel. There's miracles, signs, and wonders. God wants to show you things. God wants to use you in a way that you never thought you'd be used. But you got to be empty before him. And God needs to empty you.
And we find in John 4, Jesus leaves Judea. And he feels a call to go through Samaria. And there at Samaria, he, he takes a pit stop. And he sits on none other than Jacob's well. He sits on Jacob's well and he waits. It's the middle of the day. It's the hottest point of the day. He waits for a woman, a Samaritan woman who comes to be alone. Because she doesn't want anybody to see her. She doesn't want anybody to see her because she was already labeled. So she doesn't want to be seen by the labels of everyone else has seen her. So she goes in the heat of the day so that she can go by herself and just say, I can just be satisfied just another day. I'll get my fill just another day. It'll just keep me going just another day. This high will keep me going just one more day. I just got to get my fix. That relationship will keep me going. And Jesus meets her. And her and Jesus are alone. They're alone together. And he asks her, he says, why don't you get me something to drink? And she's looking puzzled, saying, you're being a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. What are you doing asking me? He says, you don't even have anything to draw with. And Jesus said, this is what Jesus said unto her, John 4, 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Let me just tell you that when you live for God and when you empty yourself out with God, God's going to give you an endless supply. God's going to give you oil that will never run dry. Your well will never run dry. You'll never have to be thirsty again. You'll never have to go to the fix again. You'll never have to live beyond the labels again. And see, God deals with her and says, all right, you want this water? Go get your husband. Y'all know the story. I don't have a husband. You're right. You don't have a husband because you got a relationship issue. You got a heart issue. And I'm here to empty you out. And let me tell you tonight, God wants to empty some people out here tonight. And let me just be vulnerable with you. I've, if you're feeling uncomfortable, let me just say something. I remember, I don't know, I don't know the man. He came a couple years ago, and I was his cadet, and I was dealing with an issue. And I remember he was preaching, and he says, you know, at the end of his preaching, he says, why don't you just tell God what you're dealing with? It's not like he doesn't already know. Stop trying to lie to yourself. So they called you Jacob. So they called you a deceiver. So they called you an adulteress. So they called you this and that and this and that. Stop living by the label and just give it to God. Just empty yourself out before him. And you watch as God fills you with his glory. And you watch and see how God fills you with his power. Come on, all across this house. Somebody just needs to empty out themselves before the kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, all across this house. Come on, just empty yourself out before him. Just be transparent before him. Whoo, Jesus.
God, I might have these issues. God, I might have these labels that I lived by. But God, I don't want to be a Jacob any longer. God, I don't want to be a Jacob any longer. I want to be in Israel. I want to have faith. I want to have favor with you and with men. Lord Jesus, help us. Come on, somebody, all across this house. Come on, all across this house. Come on, somebody. Come on, God called you to that dark place so that it can empty you out. God called you to that dark place where you feel like you're alone so that he can intervene this situation. Come on, somebody, just be transparent before him. Come on, he already knows. He already knows what you're dealing with. He already knows what you're going through. He already knows your struggles. Come on, you got to go before him. You just got to lay it out. Say, God, I'm emptying myself tonight. God, they used to call me this. They used to call me a supplanter. They used to call me a heel grabber. They used to call me this and that. But God, I'm laying it down tonight. I don't want to be a deceiver any longer. I don't want to live by the labels any longer. God, I don't want to live by the label any longer. Come on, somebody. One drink of your living water, I'll never thirst again. I'll never thirst again. Only you can satisfy. Come on, he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you. Not of peace, peace and not of evil. Come on, God's got some peace for you. God's got some things for you. God's got some victory for you to have. God, I'm emptying myself out to you today. God, they used to call me this. God, I used to live like this. God, I used to live by the label of what people... Feeling. You don't have to 
have a nicer house. You don't have to have a better car. All you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. Come on, there's living water in this house. There's living water in this house. Never thirst again. Jacob's well will never do. I will draw from you. God, I'm not going to go back to the way I used to live. God, I'm not going to go back to the way I used to live. Jacob's well will never do. So I will draw from you. This old world will never do. So I will draw from Just lay it down at his feet. Just lay it. 
can handle it. His arm is not too short that it won't reach. He cut. Come on, God can meet you right where you are. God can meet you right with your arm.